Hello, hello everyone. I'm back! Hooray! I was missing last episode. Apparently I was talked about. Mm -hmm. I'm here with Angelo and Jay! And we have some exciting news. Uh, Larissa Crawford, uh, at Larissa underscore speaks, will be joining us again as a guest speaker at OdaFest 2024. Larissa is a published Indigenous anti-racism and climate justice researcher, policy advisor, and restorative circle keeper with over 14 years of experience. I am so excited. I have loved every single one of her talks that I've attended. And... Oh, oh my gosh. I'm I'm just, I can't wait. I will make time to go to Larissa's panels. Um, so head on over to odafest.com to buy your tickets. Yay. Yeah, she's highly recommended. She's a good time. You learn a lot. And... She makes me cry in like the good way. Mm -hmm. Like like the good, this feels good. This is a good thing to to endeavor for. Not a hodo. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So uh, I'm not allowed, apparently, to ask what I missed last week. So let's just skip over that and exactly. talk about what's going on this week. We're gatekeeping podcast from <laughs> Nancy. Yes, Nancy is not allowed to, to, to view the old podcasts. Oh, gosh. We must move forward, not backward, not sideward, not forward, but twirling, always twirling towards freedom. She knows why, though. We did tell her about the bet. Yeah, she we told to we told Nancy non about the influenced. Yeah, can't be I'm told there is a bet. Yes. That's all I know. Yes. There is the existence of a bet. Yep. And we just don't we want Nancy's honest reaction once we get the review episode going. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. Indeed. We want no bias. Well, unfortunately, the results will be based on the quality of that first episode. So while you might or might not be right about what I like series-wise, it really will depend on just like what we watch on the day of that like one episode preview. Sometimes first episodes are really strong. Like it's it's not no, unusual wow. for the first episode to be like twice as good as the second episode. Yeah, and then there are times where it's like you really gotta give it like that second episode before it to really get going. I forgot what we previewed anyways, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Jay what has... we're about to watch again in like three weeks. I remember. Evidently Jay I has remember. had a week. I just don't remember anything. I don't care. <laughs> I'm My brain excited. is looked, just they all looked decent. Yeah, I would I would say that my general impression that everything was at least a 5 out of 10. Yeah, there there was absolutely nothing that I put on the list last week that I put on there to spite Jay, to make Jay have to watch something bad. Ah, uh, so there are no, like, total stinkers in there. I hope not. I hope not. I hope not, not too, because I'll have to watch it as well. Same. Just... Ah, but Jay... I hear that you've been playing some uh, Last Epoch. Have you? Last Epoch, the game Tell released. Me more. The very next day, the servers <laughs> crashed. <laughs> Jesus. That sounds like a pretty botched launch. Uh, well, it's unlucky because apparently the game came out either in beta or la uh, early access back in 2019. It's been a while. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. been it, like, and I didn't play any of it, but I did follow it. Um, 
I have a history, a long history of liking um, ARPGs, which are for the people who don't know, they're sort of like the isometric uh, camera angle with the Diablo style gameplay. Oh, um, okay. I don't play the Diablo right now uh, because I don't really care about the Diablo games now, but I still crave that like style of gameplay. There's also like mm-hmm. Path of Exile, which a lot of people have heard about. Mm-hmm. Um, but Path of Exile is a little too granular for me. Like it gets oh. a little bit too deep with the details. Um, I, I don't also, know. That is the reason why I never played The Witcher or The Witcher 2. Well, okay, hold on. Doesn't Path of Exile run in seasons? Like you kind of do stuff most in a season ga- most and, of then, those... and then it all gets wiped and then you start over again. Yeah, so there's most of these types of games do run in seasons. Um, mm-hmm. It just depends on what they want you to do. For example, uh, I don't know about Diablo 4, but like Diablo 2 and 3 in ladder, it's basically like first one to get to level 100 and beat the game story, that's the ladder. So it's more of a first as opposed to the best or the hi- or, or, or or the highest in a sense um at least with last epoch here um the seasons are tied to like arena so instead of like store like oh congratulations you just beat the story for the billionth time and you were the fastest at beating the story this time so you get the first slot for your character type or whatever um they do arenas as their end game content. So like, it's just like wave battles, you know, wave after wave after wave, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and it's endless. So basically you're just submitting yourself to, it's a lot of grinding, but at the same time, at least it's not just about, Hey, you happen to finish first. It's about who, how much have you actually defeated? How, how much can your build actually handle? Oh, yeah. Hmm. What's also nice, nice is that, um, for example, if you are, if you created a hardcore character, uh, hardcore is just slang for basically a character that can only die once, no respawn afterwards. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people take that challenge really seriously, but oh boy. even with like the arena mode, so obviously like at one point you're going to fall and you're going to be playing your hardcore character in the arena but they've made it so that any hardcore character regardless of when they die it doesn't disappear permanently it just disappears from hardcore so it moves okay. into the softcore um realm instead so you can still play your character your character still exists and you can still be proud of it hmm. that's actually you know? that's very generous i think so that's too. not too bad I was actually surprised when you said that you just started playing it and that it just released because I was like, I, I feel like I've heard that name before. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it did come out back in 2019. And I was looking at it on Steam and it's like, oh, mostly positive, but everything recently is is really mixed. What's going on? And so apparently the servers have just gone. Brrr. The servers can't keep up with the demand. Oops. Yep. You would think I... that after five years of early access, they would have learned, but mm. well, know. that's the thing. I, I I wonder where that sort of comes from. Like, how if you 
been around for a while. Um, what kind of player base do you expect once it releases? Do you really do you expect everybody who's ever played to come back? Do you like like what is your what is your uh, uh, prediction model? You know, I feel like they would I... have a prediction based on older updates. I would want to know exactly what the real numbers were and why they seem to cause an exponentially larger load than you than linear. Like linear load is what you expect. It's like when you add one new user to the service, this is the hit that the performance takes when you add one user or five users or 10 users. Mm-hmm. Why does it seem like this took them by surprise so differently than before? Maybe it's just that they didn't want... They they saw in previous updates what the curve down, how many players would stop playing after so long. And they were like, okay, well, we can get more servers. We can do some load balancing. Uh, but we'll only really need that for the first two weeks. And then after that, the current servers that we have will be more than enough. I mean... At the end of the day, uh, like they they still work really hard on releasing the game. They obviously try to alleviate the issue with buying more server space. Um, and at the and, and the most important thing is that for the people who were able to play, it's a good game. It's not just a bad game plus server issues it's a decent game with server issues and server issues are fairly uh like they're intermittent but annoying but they're also temporary uh they also tried to alleviate what was happening with like just encouraging people to play like a full offline mode because there is a full offline mode but what's interesting about the offline so you cannot bring an offline character into online. Like it's, if it's offline, it's basically implied that you're just trying to play for story, and okay. which is which is fine. Um, but what I think was really interesting was that so you cannot obviously you can't party with anyone, you can't trade with anyone, but you still have access to the online chat. So they tr- so they sort of let people have a connection to like social um like via the chat i assume maybe if you're part of a guild or something like that you could also access those kind of chats too but you're able to just play on uh offline which is like some people might not see the point but i think being able to be connected to your gaming social network on that game in any mode is not a bad idea. Like it doesn't. That's absolutely valid. With anything, right? Like mm-hmm. depending on how everything is set up, it could have potentially been more work to remove chat in offline mode. Sure, but I also wonder... like chat is like the least amount of. It requires the least amount of like. Uh, uh, Resources. Back and forth on a server. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if this is like the impetus to why some online games have like a queuing system to get into servers. It just absolutely to like... is. And uh, so, okay, so I'm gonna draw on experience from an old game called 
Guild Wars 2. Oh, Guild Wars 2 game. has this thing old where they game. spin up new instances for worlds for players to join if they notice that the player count on that particular instance is quite low they will tell you in a warning hey the load on this server is very low we will be shutting it down soon if you opt to jump to a different instance now we'll also give you some bonus experience or money or something so if you click on the yes put me into a different instance button it's like, okay, cool. They incentivize people to vacate that instance. They put people back into the same world on an instance that's better balanced and better utilized, and then they shut it down. All right. That, on one hand, it would be very uh, uh, intrusive. It would be really jarring to the gameplay, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But at the you same so? time, I don't find it terribly difficult because. Unreasonable. It's not, but like I also don't find it that intrusive because you're loading into new worlds all the time anyway. Like the second you go to a different map, it loads up the same. And if you're heading into like uh, an end game map, it also loads up an instance for you. So it's like there's a lot of instance loading anyway. So it's really not that intrusive. And it gives you the choice. It gives you a whole hour to say when you would like to jump to a different instance. Maybe by the end of that hour, you'll even be done with that world and you'd be moving on to a different map anyway. Not bad. That's reasonable. So I feel like that's really not a bad way to deal with it. Did However, you feel it was like like breaking the immersion kind of was, was annoying at all? No. Like I said, like anytime you move to a different map, it's also loading for you. So okay. it's not like something that you vaguely see. It's not like they're trying to hide loading behind like an elevator or a door opening or like, you know, all those standard loading screens. Like they give you like a splashy loading screen. You know you're loading something. <laughs> so it's already something that's quite baked into your experience with the game anyway. That's fine. Yeah. So I don't find it terribly intrusive in that game. However, if we tried to apply that to Last Epoch, it probably doesn't work super well. Yeah. And I mean, server issues in games are nothing new at all. Like you were just talking about Guild Wars 2. And uh, one thing that was really a, a, a huge issue at launch. I remember when SimCity 4 came out. And Ooh. SimCity 4 was... They they were very honest ahead of time that it was an online-only game. You had to be connected to the internet for it to work. Now, mm -hmm. that was just because they wanted it to be connected to the internet for it to work. Eventually, hackers found out that, no, all the important stuff happens locally. It is literally only saving that happens online. But regardless, mm. regardless, uh, you had to connect to the servers to be able to play it all. And EA had no idea how many people were going to be playing on launch. People were getting like 24-hour queues just to be able to play. Oh, no. It was ludicrous. It was one of the worst game launches I'd ever seen at that point in time. Uh, oh, no. And it was just exacerbated that one of my coworkers at the time he legitimately brought his laptop into work while it was in queue because he didn't want mm -hmm. to lose his space in queue. Oh my god! I don't even blame him. That's dedication. Yep. 
I'm not, I wasn't even blaming him. I wasn't even surprised. It was like an eight hour shift and he still didn't get in. Oof. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. And that, that stuff, is unacceptable. that was like a decade ago. That stuff still happens today. Mm-hmm. Uh, another very recent game, Helldivers 2. By all huge, accounts. Huge launch. Exceptionally huge. fun. Ridiculously good. Like it's a it's a shenanigans with the boys, shenanigans with the boys type of game. It is spreading democracy with the boys. Yeah, it is spreading liberty to, with the boys. It is removing bugs and uh, terminating terminators with the boys. Unfortunately, the bugs still exist in the form of server issues because uh, not only were their so- servers overwhelmed, right, but uh, the community being consisting of mostly the boys uh, figured out that instead of logging out of the game every night and then having to re-enter, you know, queue or experiencing server connection issues, now these people are just staying in the game oh my God. when they're not playing to and take up server get- space idled out yeah that's hilarious and, and other oh and then God. people other people can still not enter wow that's, so, that's the meta um... i haven't played oh. this game myself but uh a lot of my vtuber friends have been loving it mm-hmm. and despite this they've consistently maintained don't try to stream it just don't if you try to stream it you might just be waiting in queue for half an hour of your of your stream collab what oh, is it? What, what is it? Why not stream it? Like, like, what's the reasoning? Because you'll just be in queue the whole time. Oh, uh, if you okay, remember, it's it's very mean. similar to like how Overwatch back when they introduced World Queue, uh, oh, where you had to join in for a specific, uh, uh, like either DPS support or tank. So you say people that people who are I trying to play that. DPS, uh, because DPS was the most popular role, the people who were at the high end. Uh, like if you were Diamond, Masters, Grandmasters, mm-hmm. you could be waiting 10, sometimes 20 minutes for a game. Mm-hmm. For one game. To the mm-hmm. point where a lot of Overwatch streams, like especially the really high end streamers like Siegel or Surefour, they were spending more time playing like waiting the fishing mini games or anything else nice. than actually playing Overwatch. Yay. I, If I remember correctly, I, I may be making this up. I believe that's where XQC's bullshit react shenanigans started from. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, server issues kill games. I mean... Insanity. It's a shame. It's a shame because it's not a representation of the work. Yeah. Or... Or maybe it is a representation of the work in the most negative way possible due to positive factors. True. Absolutely. Right. Oh. I don't know. It's been ha- I've been having fun regardless, and I haven't had that many issues with the online. Like, There's been a couple of times where they've had to straight shut down the online servers to fix whatever issue or issue the latest patch, hotfix, whatever. But overall, it's been good. It scratched the itch for me. Nice. So, yeah, I can't complain. And so, if you ever do run into a into 
a uh, server issue. You have one day left to just walk away from the PC and go get some nice hot chalky. Mmm, hot chalkies. The February YYC Hot Chocolate Fest has been in full swing for four weeks now. Have, have you, guys you encountered? Them? Have you encountered any outstanding favorites yet? I'm actually bad. I haven't gotten any hot chalky. <gasps> yes. Oh. Well, it's okay. Uh, I'm justifying that with that's a lot of sugar. Yep, that's a lot of sugar. I've tried like two. Oh, that I have had the most. Oh, I probably had probably I probably had like ten. Oh wow. Of the three of us, you probably have the physical activity that can justify 10. <laughs> I just don't go out very much, especially not to cafes. Uh, while me and Dio me had our had our shopping date on Valentine's mm -hmm. Day, we did walk yeah. by a cafe that had some hot chocolate. Very and nice. we were like, oh, this would be fantastic. But we'd mm -hmm. literally just eaten lunch somewhere else. <laughs> oh, so you were just too full to get one. Exactly. That makes sense. Exactly. I went out to I went out on an errand to pick up coffee beans and uh the place I normally go to had a a hot chocolate that was inspired by and very reminiscent of Dunkaroos. Oh my. And yeah, 100%. It like comes with a cookie, you dip it into the top of the hot chocolate and it comes out coated in what looks like like a white icing with sprinkles on it and you eat it and you're like, yep, that is a Dunkaroos. I'm nice. eating a Dunkaroos in my hot chocolate. But after you eat the biscuit, um, the drink by itself just kind of becomes too sweet because it's a white hot chocolate. Oh. And then on top of it, there's the stuff you're supposed to dip your biscuit into. So you kind of end up with uh, nothing to break all the sugar up after you're done eating your biscuit. So it's really good for about the top third of the hot chocolate. You know what? And then after that, you're like, mm, this is getting a little too sweet. That's exactly like old Dunkaroos. Because <laughs> you would always get like three scoops of icing. Yeah. And then there, were no, there was no icing left for the rest of the cookies. Oh. Uh, obviously, I just took way too big of a scoop. But. But so they're really just giving you that same feeling. It's like, haha, we've reversed it. It's a we've given yes, you too much, it. too much sweetness for the cookie yeah. available. Yeah, no, I've you're right. It's it's a very reminiscent experience. Correct. Yeah, I've, I've also had that hot chocolate, but it was correct. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was it was okay. You described it very aptly. I I like the Dunkaroos nostalgia flavor yeah uh -huh. i didn't really care for well didn't really care maybe too strong too too strongly neutral or or were not of it like it wasn't terrible it just wasn't um particularly amazing like it didn't retain its dunkaroo-ness after the dunking had uh stopped <laughs> yeah that it was that just first a third though <laughs> that first third though that was perfect and mm. then you know after that first third, you're like, I don't know what to do with the rest of this hot chocolate. It's kind of too sweet on its own, and Ugh. I don't have anything else to dip with it. Too yeah. sweet kills yeah. me. I can't tolerate it. It's I've a very had... Asian reaction to desserts here. It's too sweet. Just, just too sweet. I've had like, uh, you know, like a larger variety of this year's offerings so far. 
Um, the general, even looking at like the list of what's available, mm-hmm. I would say my biggest gripe is that there's a lot of white hot chocolates this year. I noticed. So there's a okay. lot of high sweetness, low flavor chocolates out there. Uh, number two is look I'm, i i so part of the initiative for yyc hot chocolate is that they part like part of every hot chocolate purchase goes towards meals on wheels which okay. is a <clears throat> good local charity uh well i don't know if charity is the right word but um organization. it may not be as yeah it's a, it's an organization regardless that helps people with mobility issues um with getting food to them um which is nice but okay i'm like there's a large variance in pricing so some of the hot chocolates are about six or seven dollars which is more expensive than you would pay for a hot chocolate but there is just like they're they're trying to make it fancy and decadent um and then there's also factoring in the cost of like the percentage that goes to Meals on Wheels. $12 mm-hmm. is too much for a hot chocolate. 1,000%. <laughs> Who had a $12 one? Uh, Black Sheep had one. Because that's uh, the one I'm yes. slightly upset about. Not that the drink Aww. is terrible, but $12 is a lot. Especially when there are other ones that are spirited hot chocolates. Yeah, But there's also spirited hot chocolates for $17. And I just don't mm. what believe in it. Yeah. So by spirited, you mean it had booze in it? Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. boozy. Seventeen dollars for a fucking hot chocolate? No, that's that's. I don't care if it has booze in it. That's too much. Yeah, that's the kind of price I would pay if you told me that um, chocolate production was halting, that oh, God. the plants are <laughs> dying and we are in literal short supply. Then, then you can raise the price. But for this, especially when, and this is my biggest gripe about YYC Hot Chocolate, and it has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the organization. It has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with Meals on Wheels. It has everything to do with these basic bitch white hot chocolates that are, some of them are white hot chocolates, some of them are regular hot hot chocolates. But the problem I have with them is that way too many of them could be made at home. Yeah, the descriptions for them. Some of them, they're like, "We've made an orange hot chocolate." I'm like, "Cool, that's not special." We've made a spicy hot chocolate. We have made a chai hot chocolate. We have made a uh, what's the other flavor that I get? Like I know hot about. chocolate. No, it's like uh uh. I already mentioned like the spice one. Anyway, the matter the, the point of the matter is is that there's a lot of them where I get that the base is hot chocolate. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. We all could open up um a powder package of carnation and Wait, fancy no, with no, some they're not milk. actually just serving the powdered hot chocolate, right? They're actually making proper hot chocolate, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I assume so. that most of the ones, most of the ones are probably making a more legit hot chocolate, but there are a few that are making like a hot chocolate that is, for example, from sipping chocolate. There's only a very few that are doing from sipping chocolate. A lot of them, I think, are doing some prob- some blend of 
chocolate syrup plus chocolate milk and then decoration and flavoring on top and again is that is something i can make 17 dolans for hot chocolate i want them to have been sitting over a pot simmering and melting chocolate into some cream liquid base and i want that booze to be like some fucking hundred dollars of bottle stuff yeah. yeah that is a little disappointing to hear um I did notice that there was a really big selection of white hot chocolates. Again, it's a personal preference, but it's not my favorite style of hot chocolate. I like drinking chocolate. Like the ones where you do actually have a pot of milk and you melt chocolate into it mm-hmm. and it's thick and creamy and rich and it's it's good yeah. quality dark chocolate. And you do something fancy with that. Um, I have been disappointed twice by attempting to have a good mint chocolate. I like mint and chocolate. I am one of those people who like it. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be disappointed. It's it's really hard to screw that combination up. And yet it happened? Yeah. Unlucky. Was it yeah. too minty or too chocolatey? There was no mint. What? Yeah, it was Oh no, just, that, that is how you, you Which get... one was that? Which one did you go? Um, so what happened was they described the drink to me. I liked it. And then uh, I ordered it. And then when I got it, all of the mint was in the whipped cream. And I ordered with no whipped cream. So oh. they didn't add any mint to the hot chocolate to wow. make up for it. That's impressive. Oh, my. So I just got a cup of hot chocolate with no specialty. But, like, if you just remove the whipped cream and that removes all of the specialness of the hot chocolate, that's not That's not right. To me. Mm-hmm. No, you gotta, have, you gotta have the mint in the chocolate, not beside the chocolate. I get it if you like having whipped cream on top of your hot chocolate, because usually you would sip it and you'd get a little bit of both because you get a bit of that cold whipped cream and the hot, hot chocolate underneath, and it's this great, you know, play of textures and temperatures in your mouth. Cool, I get that. However, I am not a whipped cream kind of person, but if I tell you that I want your specialty drink, but I don't want whipped cream in it, there should be a way to make it and maintain that flavor profile and removing the whipped cream doesn't remove all that is special with it. That mm-hmm. sucks. On a very short tangent. I was really tangent, disappointed. Very short tangent. I found the best way to make like one or two portions of whipped cream at home for coffee. Oh? Yes. So instead of like getting out a bowl, getting out like a hand mixer or a whisk or something and going crazy with that. Uh, yeah. If you've ever used or seen like gamer sups cups... Just oh, pour yeah, yeah. some in there with some sugar and some vanilla and just shake the hell out of it. In like 30, 40 seconds, you've got whipped cream. What's I've the seen thing? What's a the thing much about? messier like version those, those of that. Like those Gamersups cups, the plastic What's like tumblers, often with oh. like anime girls on them. Like a protein shaking cup. Yeah. It is so Why much just... easier to clean up after and it is so fine for like small portions. Could you probably I've seen one same? of those like failed, failed hacks for making whipped cream. It works. Okay, this method will work if all you want to do is foam up some milk. But if you want to make whipped cream, don't do this. And uh, you know the French presses, the one where you actually have a plunger and you press down, yeah. and then there's there's a fine metal mm. sieve that keeps all the grounds in the bottom. If you take heavy whipping cream and put it in there and you just pull the plunger up and down several times very quickly, you very quickly get whipped cream. 
but you also have this mess above and below your sieve now. Yeah, that sounds like mm. a pain in the ass. Yeah, so don't do this if you're trying to make whipped cream. However, if you're trying to make like faux foamed milk or like latte milk by using the microwave to heat up milk and you just need to foam it up, you can absolutely use this. Fair. But yeah, that, that was just, I learned this on accident a few weeks ago. And I had Wait, to share the, the, the technique. Insert my tangent about on accident versus by accident. <laughs> I mean. That's cool. I appreciate cheap ways to, or like really simple cheater ways to make whipped cream. Um, we are basic bitches and we have uh, whipped cream in cans exactly for coffee. I can't remember why, but we had some whipped cream in the fridge, like the, the, the heavy cream base. Yeah. And Dia wanted some whipped cream for their, for their coffee. And uh-huh. I was like, well, you have a hand mixer, but I feel like I remember in cocktail chemistry or some YouTube video, someone using shaker cups to make whipped cream. Let me just try. I have seen that, yes. And part of me was like, okay, I didn't expect it to be easier. What 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 the struck only... me was that it was actually easier to make and clean up after. Yeah. Um, my... My most recent history with trying to make whipped cream is actually because I was trying to make butter, not whipped cream. Oh, okay. So using using the little uh, round metal ball that is in shaker cups wouldn't be a good idea for that because then all the butter would just get trapped inside it. True. Metal butter. Metal <laughs> compound butter. But it would work butter. well. It's high in iron. Yes. Perfect for anemia. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you don't oh, need gosh. that much iron. No, you don't. So much iron. Your body, um, but anyway, your, the, the amount of iron that you need in like your body is like such a tiny amount. People are always like, I need to keep up my iron levels. I'm like, did you eat like three pieces of broccoli? Because that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? My one thing that I learned from YouTube that really disappointed me, but made perfect sense. You know, that scene in, in the first X-Men movie where Magneto is like, you have too much iron in your blood. And then he just pulls all the iron out of someone's blood and uses it he to uh, escape s- the, the prison. Yes. He yeah. gets so and little was... iron. Not only that, and the was... iron in your blood, because of the, the way that the compound works, it's not ferrous. It just wouldn't work. Not at no. all. I, I remember that, like, scientific mystique... real, realism out of X-Men. <laughs> I remember I remember that scene specifically because like Mystique uh tricks a guard into a bathroom and like injects him with this giant syringe of iron and you're like that would actually just kill someone I think yeah probably <laughs> probably immediately I think immediately yes because yeah again the chemical properties of like iron that is dissolved into blood is not ferrous mm-hmm. oh why can't movies be real? Well, 90s movie logic be like that. Yep. yep. Just gotta suspend disbelief for the fun. For that the fun aspect. That wasn't even made in the 90s. That was in the 2000s. Oh, sorry. That was early 2000s. I mean, it felt like the 90s. It felt like the 90s was still finishing up. And I mean, we get that feeling every time, every, more and more these days, that the 90s is just coming a little bit back. I was looking on Kijiji the other day, and 90s cars were being listed as classic cars. I was looking at a game website the other day, and they were saying Final Fantasy VII was coming out. And I was like, what year is it? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, Final oh. Fantasy VII Rebirth is coming out. It is. But, and I will not get to touch it for two whole years or whenever they decide to release it to PC. That's what's crazy. I mean, that to was me. six months last time. I remember uh, okay. when the PS3 came out. You waited two years out. on purpose. <laughs> yeah. When the PS3 came out, they gave us like a, a, a trailer. It was actually a tech demo where they remade yes, the I Final Fantasy VII uh, opening scene for PS3 yeah. hardware, and it looked amazing. And it was like, yeah, oh my and god. And it was just a tech demo. Final Fantasy VII Remake? And and Squeenix nope. was like, no, no, no. It's just it's just no, a no, tech it's demo. Just a demo. I mean, it's just look how pretty it is. That's all it is. And you're like, little did you And know. then at the end of the PlayStation 4 era, we finally got Final Fantasy VII Remake, except it was the first third of the game. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting close to the end of life of the PS5. And we're finally getting Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. It has been, to be fair, it's been four years, I think, since the first segment of the game came out, the first part. It's just that that was at the end of the the, uh, PS4 lifespan. Yes, I believe so. We're now somewhere at the mid of the PS5 lifespan. And we're finally getting Rebirth. Are we going to get the third one and assumedly the final one at the beginning of the PS6? Probably. Like, do you, to get one game, one full story, do you need to buy three different consoles? Are they trying to Kingdom Hearts us? Do you think they'll, they'll slap it all together into a tin box collector's edition at the end? No, because it's on multiple consoles. Well, I mean, they could port it forward to the PS6 or whatever and then just have a collector's mm. box edition and it's got all three. I mean, they, they'll they have to justify it with some like, oh, we fixed this and we fixed that. Like they did that with Kingdom Hearts, which is why I'm referencing it. They did that with like the the Kingdom Hearts complete whatever game where it was like, one launcher, but it launched one, two, and three with all of the updates to all three games. Plus, there was all of the in-betweener games in there, and they like redid all the graphics and made it all updated, and then they released everything together. That w- that makes a lot of sense for Kingdom Hearts because Kingdom Hearts didn't have three games. They also had a Game Boy Advance game, and then they had like one or two uh, ga- uh, DS games. I was going to call it a Game yep. Boy DS. Holy heck. <laughs> I'm getting old. Uh, they had like a yeah. PSP game and a Vita game. They had so many games on handhelds and they're all canon to the story. They are. They are all canon to the story, which is why I can't just play one, two, and three. I have to know everything that happens around them. Whereas if you want that experience for Final Fantasy VII, you can just go play the original Final Fantasy VII. How much new content is there in these new games? I am not 100% certain. To my understanding, Jesse in Final Fantasy Remake was a character that existed, but only had a few lines, whereas now they're like a She's waifu a fully fleshed character. on the level yeah. of Tifa and Aerith. Yeah, something like that. And like there's there was um there was additional stuff featuring Yuffie that was released after the first game too. Oh, yeah, and I think DLC that gets that baked game. into Integrade. Yeah. I was so there was I was additional stuff because and I was like I, I oh yes it's out on PC now Final Fantasy Seven I think there's Remake. also a 
It's- a running suspicion too that the game doesn't actually follow the exact storyline of the original game, so you shouldn't count it as a remake, really. Yeah. That's fair. Or something like that. There's some speculation. I I listened to some of the speculation and I'm like, that doesn't sound nearly as far-fetched as some of the weird government conspiracies we listen to these days. So, firm possibility. It is more realistic that they've added and remade and tweaked content in FF7 than it is to believe that birds aren't real and that they're all government surveillance drones. Yep. But I mean, a government surveillance drone uh, built into a bird would probably cost more than ninety three fifty Canadian, which is what it costs to buy Final Fantasy VII Remake on Steam right now. Oof. Damn near a hundred dollars. Yeah, that's. I'm surprised that it hasn't gone down a bit to like incentivize people to. Hey. A hundred dollars for a third of a twenty five year old story. Out soon. You should get caught up on Intergrade or something. Here's a sale. I don't know. Maybe they're saving the sale for when Rebirth actually does come out for PC. Maybe. Regardless, it'll be a while before I get to play it. Yeah, it really will be. If I if I mm. do end up playing it, what I'll want to do is I'll want to wait until they're all available on PC. And that way I can mm-hmm. blast through all of them at once. Yeah, that's like a solid several weekends worth of gaming several weekends probably several whole weeks yeah if you just you know took several weeks uh out of your professional life to just play final fantasy 7 yep just just take all three weeks of vacation you get off all at once and be like just for that i'm taking time off boss i got video games to play i have a journey to go on which honestly I'll isn't a, a bad idea. changed man when I come back. That isn't an awful idea. Having a staycation no. and just catching up on media is great. It's comfy. I agree. I agree. As someone with several separate jobs, yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. Hey. What, having Ain't multiple nobody. jobs? Taking Ain't time for vacation. Time for capitalism. <laughs> Nah, the capitalist hellscape will You have to take a break from capitalism in order to partake in capitalism. Yes, actually. That is why, that is the entire concept of the weekend. The weekend (laughs) was legitimately justified. And same with the 40 hour work week. They were not justified to give people time off, they were justified to give people time to shop and use products. I'm not even joking. Participate in your local capitalist hellscape today. Yes. That's that's so depressing. Short (laughs) shorter weeks are legitimately better for capitalism. It's true. They just won't give it to us. Exactly. Because if you have a shorter week, who knows? Maybe you will develop a love interest. Maybe you will have babies with the love interest. Do you understand how expensive babies are? No. No, I don't. It is like, what, a quarter million dollars to raise a baby from being a baby to, like, an an adult these days? At least. It is stupid expensive. Yeah, raising a kid is very expensive. Yeah, yeah, which is really good for capitalism. Also, the weird shame game that they play with you when you're a parent. Yeah, which is why the 32-hour work week should absolutely become a thing. 
I'm in for the 16 hour work week. Yeah, me or too. Six hour work week. Let's go. Yeah. And give me give me 20 hour work weeks. I'd be that's, perfectly that's happy 60, with that. That's 60 minute work week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's 60 whole second work week. We couldn't even fit a podcast in that. Well, so no, I guess we'll we'd be to able say... to fit the recording of a podcast into one of those. We wouldn't yeah. be able to do any anything else with it, though. No. And with all the people's free time, would they even have time to listen to our podcast? Maybe they will next week. Wonderful. Bye-bye. Keep on listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.